Okay, well, well, dive right in. Well, folks, good morning. 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 Uh, welcome to Carrick Fergus Vineyard. It's just wonderful to have you with us this morning. Uh, I like to kind of do this bit. I'm just kind of waffling, to be honest, so bear with me. I'm kind of doing this just checking out who you are, to be honest. And uh, there's lots of familiar faces, which we wish weren't here, to be honest. And um, I'm joking, sorry. And uh, there's, there's new faces. There's always new faces. And so if you're a new face here this morning, uh, you're really, really welcome. You are our VIP guest. And uh, we hope that you feel uh, welcome and made to feel welcome with us. And you join us at what I think is a really significant time in the life of our church. I really sense, like right now, God is doing some amazing stuff in us, his people. And, uh, do you know, when Jackie was just explaining God meeting the needs of people, I just thought, we need to know this, that God knows every bit of our being and he's interested in every part of us as individuals. Not only us, but of the whole world, right? And he's just interested in that. And so two weeks ago, we began a journey, which we're going to continue together. Uh, if there's anything good from what I say today, uh, I, I need a credit to this book. It's called Emotionally Healthy Church. I'm copying a lot of it. That's the plagiarism kind of bit kind of covered there uh, right now. Um, but it's, it's a journey that we began a couple of weeks ago as we kind of introduced this thing that emotional health and spiritual maturity are closely linked. And we can think that a person is spiritually mature because that's what they look like on the outside. And that's kind of the behavior that they display. And then maybe they've been a Christian for years and years. But deep down inside of them, emotionally not that well. And there's a close link between the two. And so we, before Christmas, we spent lots of weeks talking about discipleship. And really, this is a continuation, really. Uh, the book kind of claims to be a strategy for discipleship that actually changes lives. And we want to uh, address uh, some emotional health things in our lives and allow the Bible to speak, the gospel to speak directly uh, to us and to allow Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to, uh, to minister to us. And so I would encourage you, if you're part of our church, you've been here, or if you're just here and you're just checking us out, I'd encourage you not to run away, but I would encourage you to lean in, lean into this, lean into him, because it's ultimately him who changes us but also lean into each other through community, lean into each other in terms of trusted uh, relationships where people can journey together uh, with you. So this morning we want to look at um, an area called looking beneath the surface. And uh, Ian, I wonder if you've got that image. Uh, yeah, I knew it wasn't that good, the old pixels and all that, but you kind of get the gist of it. Um, it's an iceberg. And uh, many of you will have seen an illustration or heard an illustration. Maybe you've been at a seminar once upon a time, or maybe you've seen this in church before. I don't know. But uh, the image is of, a, of an iceberg, and you can just see the tip of the iceberg is above the sea, but you see the majority of the iceberg in beneath. And really, 
But the, the illustration is this. The bit above the water is the bit that we see. It's the, it's the bit that you show. It's the bit that we kind of display and show to each other. And yet, the majority, the bulk of what makes the iceberg is actually unseen. It's deep beneath. We don't see it. And the point really is this, that we can show to the world, we can show to one another the tip of the iceberg. But actually, deep, deep down inside us is really, really what makes us, us. And I'm encouraging us this morning to be brave, to take heart, and to have courage to go beneath the surface, to look ourselves beneath the surface of us, of what makes us, us. Emotionally healthy churches ask this question, what is going on that Jesus is trying to change? And as I kind of introduced already, I just think this is a season where God is doing quite a lot with us. I think it's really significant the last two weeks uh, just the number of people responding at the end of church to a ministry time uh, and really just placing themselves in a position that says, Jesus, I really want to meet with you and I really want you. I'm giving you permission to be the surgeon, the surgeon. I'm placing myself under your scalpel to come and to perform heart surgery on me. And I just think it's been significant the last couple of weeks. And uh, I would love to know more, actually, about what's going on in your lives. Not that you need to tell me everything, because I don't need to know that. But I love it when we hear stories of what God's doing. And more important than that is actually seeing, seeing the real change of what God is doing in our lives. So we want to look together this morning at a psalm. We're going to put up the words of it, Psalm 139. It's a well-known psalm, well-loved psalm. And before I read it through together, I want you just to kind of just put it in a bit of context. David is attributed to writing this. It's a piece of literature, poem, whatever we want to call it. But it's written, it's deeply personal. It's deeply, deeply personal between him, the writer, and God. It's deeply emotional between him, the writer, and God. And so I want you, as I read this, is to try and put yourselves in the place of the writer, David. Because it's deeply personal between you as a person and God himself. And if you're like me, I kind of tune out when someone's reading something. I'll hit about verse 4 and I'll be away with the fairies and I'll be thinking about this afternoon, right? And I'm smiling, the people are smiling at me, you're the same. The others are you like, what are you talking about? I love reading, I could read all day, what is he talking about? If you're like me, focus. Here we go. You, God, have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there 
Your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Change of tack slightly here. Harry, focus. Stick with us, son. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Change of tact completely now for a couple of verses, and then we come, he comes into land. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Then we're kind of back on track in the, in the conclusion, which is a conclusion of the beginning. It says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Amen. Did we get there? What, what did we take in there? Who, who was 100%? If we did a test right now, 100%ers. 90, 80, 70, 60, 50, 10. Harry. Um, and so this psalm is just deeply personal. It's deeply, deeply emotional. And it basically is saying, ultimately, in a nutshell, God, you know me. You know me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Before I was made, as I was being made, you saw my unformed body. You know me. You know what I think about. You know what I speak about. Even before I say the next word, you know what I'm going to say. You know when I get up, where I'm going, etc., etc. It says, where can I go to get away from you? It's like we can't get away from God. If we go up there, he's there. If we go down there, he's there. If we go over here, over there, you can't get away from him. He knows us. He knows us. He knows us. And the most amazing thing is, he loves us. He loves us, warts and all. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Where are we going? You may be aware of what... You're like, what you think about, the way you behave, the way you speak, the way your thoughts go, the things that you're interested in. That's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just the bit that we see above. You may have loved ones in your lives that kind of know you, but know you a bit better, and they see a little bit beneath the surface. 
and they might have their own theories actually as to why you react the way you do. They might see the way you act in certain situations and they might have their own theories. They might be true or they might be untrue, but they know just a bit more because they've seen, because you've shown them underneath the surface a little bit as to what you're really, really like. And we're just encouraging you to go beneath the surface. However, there's a couple of problems here. The first one is this. Many of us think that there's no need to look beneath the surface. Either you're um, blasé or in denial. There's nothing wrong there. Everything's good in the hood. Everything's fine. If you look there, oh, you might find something, but it's not too bad. It's all right. And then secondly, there are those who you're aware of the unhealthy stuff that's kind of lies beneath the surface, but you're just simply not willing to go there. What you need is some pain, you crazy fools. It's my best Mr. T impression. You need some pain. Have I got time to indulge? Can I, I'm looking at you. That's already a no. <laughs> so this is completely off track, but it's quite funny. So we'll do it anyway. This is, this is, like, this is like take the break moment, okay? Because it's quite serious, heavy stuff, isn't it? So let's just relax for a moment. So this is a few years ago. We're back in England. I think we might just be married. And Chantel's friend Ali is over. And we're playing that game, Who's in the Bag? You ever played that? Who's in the bag? You have to describe famous people. So if it was David Beckham and you're with your partner, you're like, married to Victoria, used to be a footballer, blah de blah Oh, that's David Beckham. Like, so the person was Ian Wright. Okay? And some of you are thinking, who's he? He used to play football for Arsenal. He used to play football for England as well. But Ali didn't know who Ian Wright was. So she couldn't say he used to play football for so. So what she said is, rhymes with Pian. Right, okay, okay. And it was played with a friend of ours, Gareth, who's like me, English. And, and he was like, rhymes with P and P and rhymes with, rhymes. And she kept going, like she just got exasperated, didn't she? It rhymes with P and P and this is what she was going on about. And after a while, the old, you know, the old counter with the dust in it, what those things called the, the egg timer thing kind of ran out of sand. And it's like, oh, what is it? What is it then? And she goes, it's Ian Wright. And Gareth, in all his exasperation, is like, Ian does not rhyme with pain. Because <laughs> we say it differently. Ian and pain rhyme, but Ian and pain don't rhyme. So, there we go. Back to the script. Pain, from now on I'm saying pain, right? I'm not saying pain. But pain <laughs> is the stimulus... To go beneath the surface. It's what we need. It's what we need because it forces us to go beyond. And God, whilst he doesn't bring it, he often uses our pain to get us to change. He uses us. And again, I just commend so many of you who, when life has been so difficult, you have chosen not to bury it beneath the surface but you have allowed to go there and you have chosen to go there with God 
and with us, your people, to go beneath the surface. Another phrase, we change our behavior when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. Say it again. We change our behavior when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. The thing is, for many of us, we simply just continue life as we are. Oh, I'm just a worrier. Or, oh, I, I, okay, I have a fear of whatever that is. But I kind of somehow manage my life still okay, just kind of living with that fear. Um, you might display irrational behavior from time to time or outbursts of anger or whatever it might be. There's a list that kind of goes on. But it's just not enough to kind of consider and to choose to go for and kind of think, what, what actually is it in me that's driving me to be like this? And it's only when the pain level kind of gets so great that we are almost forced or we then choose at that point to journey change. And that might look like getting to the place where, thank goodness, I need to speak to someone about this. It could be a counsellor or a GP or a trusted friend or a life group leader or something like that. I want to briefly touch on four different components um, that will lead to helping us practically helping us to go beneath the surface. And the first one is this, that we develop an awareness of what I'm feeling and doing. On the evening before Jesus' arrest, he takes the place of a slave or a servant and he chooses to wash the disciples' feet. It's out of a deeply emotionally healthy place of Jesus knowing who he really is that he is able to lay aside preconceived ideas about him or actually the true nature of who he really is. And Jesus takes that place and he washes the disciples' feet. And we looked, haven't we, the last two weeks, and we've said just how deeply emotional Jesus was. He was greatly disturbed. He wept where there was loss. He was angry with his disciples. He had compassion for others. There are just a few ways that Jesus demonstrated an emotionally healthy response in certain situations. But we would do well to pay attention to our physical uh, bodies, actually, in an emotional response. Because emotions often play out in physical kind of attributes. So, a knot in your stomach, tension in your head or neck or shoulders, teeth grinding, hands clenched, heart palpitations, sweaty palms, foot tapping, etc. Just a number of different things in certain situations that you find yourself. And this deeply emotional thing that's happening manifests itself in a physical way. And we would do well to pay attention to those things. And in those moments when they come, that we would just have the courage to stop and say, Jesus, what's going on right now? Talk to me. Tell me. Why, why is my heart racing right now and sweat's appearing on me? What, what is it? And allow Jesus to, sp <coughs> excuse me, to speak to you in that moment about what's going on emotionally on the inside. Tell me more about the iceberg is a good question. The second one leads on from that is actually asking the question more deeply as to what's really going on. 
When Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman, the well-known story that we've read many times in John 4, he wants to get beneath the surface. He's, he's got this set-up meeting with this lady, and he asks the questions, why, why are you coming to collect water at the hottest part of the day? Why are you running from husband to husband? What is it that's missing in your life right now? What is going on beneath the surface? Now, Jesus doesn't necessarily ask those direct questions, but he does speak to her and ask her other things that are actually getting to the point, if that makes sense. Because Jesus is interested about the woman. He already knows through word of knowledge about the lady, but he wants to poke and probe her and ask her, What's going on beneath the surface? And we would do well to ask questions in certain situations. Here are a number taken straight from the book. Why am I always in a hurry? Why am I so impatient? Why am I so anxious? Why am I overly concerned with what others tell me and that I'm okay as a leader or as a teacher? Why am I so devastated that Matilda told me after church on Sunday that she didn't get anything out of my sermon. Why do I tr dread this meeting today at two o'clock? Why am I flooded with fear? Why am I over-concerned that I succeed in my life? Why do I avoid confronting difficult people? Why do I have a need to immediately return phone calls, emails, text messages, etc., etc.? They're just a number that, that the author here has obviously divulged of himself. But we can place ourselves in that, can't we? We can ask ourselves those questions. Why? Why? What's actually going on? Why do I respond in this certain situations? Two more and then we're landing. The third one is linking the gospel with emotional health. When we begin to look beneath the surface, we become aware of our sinful self of our nature and what's actually going on and where we need God to restore and to redeem us on the inside. Remember two weeks ago I said, when we become a Christian, at that point we receive God's grace and we are justified. There's two words, justification and sanctification. Justification happens on the point of conversion when we confess and we say, God, I choose to follow you all the days of my life. He comes, he enters, he forgives us for everything in our past. But it's day one of the beginning of a lifetime of transformation, which we use the word sanctification, which means becoming more like Jesus. As we allow him to shine his light and to bring a, a sense of restoration into the brokenness within our lives as we become more and more like him. And the truth of the gospel is this, that he knows that we're flawed and we're sinful. And he knows more than that, ever more than we would dare to believe. But in dying for us, he deeply cares and loves and has enough for us to cover up all of that offense anyway. I love it and I know how valuable it has been um, for the number of people that have journeyed life in scandalous grace, one of our life groups that Johnny and Leanne have led for the last couple of terms, as you've unpacked the very truth from the book of Galatians about freedom in Christ. I know what a significant thing that has been. And we must go to the scriptures deeply in order to unpack that and to allow God's word to penetrate 
into our hearts, but matched with the healing nature of the Holy Spirit, who is the counsellor, in order to become all that God has made us. Um, where are we? I'm slightly lost. <coughs> I'll pick it up here. Uh, They use a phrase in their church, um, which I really like. It says this, you can be yourself because there's nothing left to prove. Read it again. You can be yourself because there's nothing left to prove. What do we say? We say, come as you are, don't we? It's a bit easier. We're a bit more simple. Come as you are. And that's what we say. Again, folks, if you're our guest this morning, that's, what, that's who we are. We do not want you to come through those doors with the face on. Life's great, Jack. I'm all right. We want you, we give you permission to be yourself. And the last one is this, is being seen for who you really are. There was a time on Facebook not so long ago when uh, women were posting uh, pictures of their faces without any makeup on. Man, it was a horror show. It was unbelievable. I barely recognize many of you. And if you're, if you're offended by that, it's because there's something underneath the iceberg that you need to go and sort out. That's the disclaimer right there. But there's something liberating, I can imagine, for you know the women who are like, I don't have to pretend, I don't need to put the face on, I don't need to put the mask on. And it's an illustration of a lot more, it's an illustration for all of us, of of not putting this false pretense on and actually being who we are. And again, I love it, the the number of you folks I've just had the privilege of walking beside and journeying and seeing God change you on the inside out, that we begin to see, ah, that's who you are. That's what you really look like. We, we kind of had glimpses of, of it, but you're just a wee bit. But now that God has been able to deal, deal with the, the handshake, <laughs> that, that we begin to see who you really are. And it's wonderful. Last Friday, uh, 18 guys from our church gathered down in our venue. They had some food and they had a discussion uh, about men and about how we as men journey and do life together. And uh, there were several different opinions expressed, which is absolutely fine. But the, the overarching theme or the overarching goal was this. It was simply about getting together, men getting together, other guys, to journey life together, to spurring one another on, saying to each other, I, I want to know you, but I want to be known. I want you to know who I really am. And I'm choosing to place myself into a situation, into a relational connection, that we can journey this life together and be honest and frank with one another. I'm going to make this our prayer as we land. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. 
we're inviting God to search us. Turn on the old torch and search us underneath the surface. Test me. Examine me. That's really, really, this is tough, isn't it? None of us really want to do this. <laughs> We'd rather just run away, go back and have a coffee and pretend life's okay, Jack. But if we really, really want to become all that God has of us, and we want to be free of all that stuff that we kind of know is there, then let's take him at his word and let's trust him because he knows us. He knows us, right? And he's gracious. See what's not right. God, we give you permission to just shine your light on that area, but in, in a way that leads us into life, that leads us into the way of everlasting. So we're going to do that now and then we're going to worship and then we're going to give a bit of time to respond some more. But just close your eyes just for 30 seconds here and let's make this our prayer. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, examine me. Know my anxious thoughts, my anxious ways, my fearful nature. See if there's anything offensive. It's not, see what's not right, what's not good, what's not wholesome. And then, God, as you do that in us, would you show us a way forward? Would you perform uh, whatever you need to do on our hearts to just heal us up? Praying that you'd give us courage to go there, God. And I pray now that you would speak to each one of us uh, and just show us what we need to do. The thing is that there's not loads that we can do except to be honest with ourselves, to be honest with God, and to be honest with trusted people in our lives. That, that is what we can do. But God, thank you that you're the one ultimately that works in us and through us. And so we're inviting you to be gracious and to be kind with us. And even though it might be messy, and even though there will be tears and big snotters, we're okay with that here. Amen. Guys, if you're not in a life group and you can be in a life group, get in one. Good Good Father is one I'd wholeheartedly recommend to you. Malcolm and Melaine are leading that. Uh, that's just a massive area in our lives. It's the whole thing of fatherhood. So I'd encourage you to go there. Uh, 
get stuck in. Guys, if you're leading, would you come? Sorry, I should have probably given you that nod a lot sooner. Um, guys, we're going to stand, we're going to sing briefly, and then we're just going to just invite, if God's speaking to you, which I know he is, um, but you think you would just love God just to do some more in you, we're going to invite you uh, towards the end um, just to come forwards and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, pray for you as long as it takes, as long as it needs. So let's stand together.